That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome to Bat Force Radio, the Batman slash DC podcast with no limits. And we are bringing you the stack, new comic book stack episode for Wednesday, February 6th, 2019. I got Bat Force Tom over in sunny California. Go Rams. Dude, we we lost the Super Bowl, dude. <laughs> got Grandpa Batman over in Texas. Do you even stack, bro? Ooh, that's the tight end model. Hey, Robin Cross up in Canada. Idaho neighbor. <laughs> we're coming off the most boring Super Bowl in history, but we're going to get to something more exciting, and that is new comic books from DC. Guys, what's on the what's on the grill this week? Uh, it's a busy week. Uh, let's get through the list of everything coming out for February 6th. We've got Young Justice number 2, Green Lantern number 4, Curse of Brimstone 11, United States Murder Inc. number 6, The Dreaming number 6, Green Arrow 49, Trunkler's favorite, Suicide Squad Black Files number four, Justice League 17, Man and Superman 100-page Super Spectacular, Marv Wolfman's book that uh, he spoke about recently on the show, Deathstroke 40, the end of the Arkham uh, story, Harley Quinn 58, Adventures of Super Sons number seven, Batman 64, and issue one of the Female Furies. Mm. Oh, boy, damn. Oh, one last item on the list. Hashtag follow Dan DiDio. Oh. Yeah. Everyone follow Dan. Uh, on what? Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, though. Just surprised oh. you know that. <laughs> try, try to keep a low profile. Though. These fads or these uh, these haters, really, is what I should call them. They're, they're vicious. Well, you guys got Batman 64, man. So what That's happens? Right. Like this Our issue friend Joshua Williamson. And, and our other friend, uh, Guilin Mark. And Julia. Tom Mori. He doesn't know us but you know we'll call him our friend but uh, this is the first issue of josh's batman flash crossover uh that uh, is a tie-in to heroes in crisis you want to know something so stupid well stupid yeah. of myself i uh was reading it enjoying it so much that i forgot it was like a crossover oh yeah most crossovers yeah. i feel like make you feel like oh this is a crossover it's trying to get you to yeah. buy the other book yeah like most event tie-ins in general often are kind of throwaways like you know you, you read it once at the time it comes out and and never really think about it again but uh, this is uh, more like the button you know josh did with tom king a couple years ago that it, it's it's actually looking like it's going to be pretty interesting and and, and not thing, just a, not just a commercial for flash exactly one cool thing i noticed about this i don't know if it was intentional on guillem's part reading through this issue like that the first thing i noticed right at the beginning was that page where we see batman doing the autopsy on wally west the style that that's drawn in 
it almost looks like it's one of Clayman's pages out of Heroes in Crisis. That's what I thought too. Yeah. When we get to the Justice League part where the Justice League is fighting those Amazo versions of themselves, that looks a bit like a Jorge Jimenez Justice League page. And then towards Mm -hmm. the end, when we have, you know, we'll get to who this is, you know, hooked up to that Venom at the end, that looks like a page out of David Finch's Batman run from that time period. So I don't know Mm. if it was intentional that he was trying to channel those artists to bring in the feeling of those specific stories, or if it was just coincidence, or maybe I'm imagining it, but it, for me, noticing it, it added to the issue for me. No, I see your point. You're exactly right. Good eye. I agree. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I got. Someone else talking. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, and I like this first page, you know, where Batman, he, you know, he's doing the autopsy on Wally West and he's like, he's, he's paused and he's like, you can tell that he's thinking, do I need to do this or should I do this? And then there's that little panel there where his blade's right above the suit. And it kind of reminded me of that cover for Heroes in Crisis 7 that got all the controversy with Poison Ivy because of what she was drawing on the ground. And I was like, oh, there's a nice little subtle clue. I thought that was pretty neat. Is that issue... Uh, do you mean the upcoming poison, the upcoming cover of Heroes right. of Crisis? Yeah, seven. Right, and how she's drawing a flash symbol, well, what appears to be a flash symbol in blood. Right. I w- it just feels like uh, they're really throwing us for a loop as far as like um, trying to keep us on our toes as who who the actual killer is and what the mean or what the uh, what what the motive is and all that stuff. Because I feel like I mean I don't know if you guys felt the same, but I feel like at the end of this issue we got a huge clue. It still is kind of like. I don't know if that's if that's going to be the exact direction that they go in. It felt like more of a, a big nod to a possibility. Very, very, very possible. Very uh, interest, interesting, I would say. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's like it keeps raising more questions than answers, which is cool. But um, I know a lot of people get frustrated because they don't get like that uh, instant gratification of finding out answers every single issue, which is, I think, more of kind of like a conversation to be had about the way that comics read nowadays, where... Back in olden times, like, you know, you read them because the writers assumed that maybe you were only going to read one or two issues and you're not going to read it like like a trade. But now uh, these writers, they write for trade. You know, they write for storylines and arcs and stuff like that, which uh, I kind of prefer. This is definitely keeping you on in like it's it's giving you a linear story and it's giving you hints and clues, but not exactly giving you all the answers at once. And I think it's really frustrating for a lot of people. And I see like uh, a lot of people are kind of using it as an excuse to bash it because they're just assuming all these things are happening at the very beginning of the story. And that's how it's, everything's going to remain at the end of it. When in reality, it's like, you know, these, these writers specifically, the way they've written their other things, it's like, they don't give us everything at once. They're going to make you question what's going on. And then, you know, they're going to give you a twist ending probably at the end, but it was cool to see, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think Robert's been saying Guillem or Guillem. I don't know, but, um, it's cool to see him on a Batman title. That's pretty sweet. Absolutely. I know that. Uh, uh, I I really like uh, the way he draws Batman, and yeah, it's it's good to see him back on it. And whoever uh, makes the calls on this, uh, I don't know if it's Dio, if it's uh, you know if Tom King uh, has leverage in uh, who's doing uh, the art on the book from arc to arc, or if it's the editor. I think Jamie Rich is the group editor of Batman, but. Whoever it is, give us more of Guillem Mark on that. Yeah, and what else was he doing? Uh, 
what was he drawing? Like, what is he drawing right now? He's on another book too right now, isn't he? Or he has yeah. been. Uh, yeah, he's done some Harley covers for one. Yeah, he's uh, he's done some Justice League too. Uh, that uh, for one, that there was the issue where, uh, but where Joker had uh, really uh, fucked over Lex. Oh, that's right. And I think wasn't the Batman who laps in that issue issue too? Yes. Getting into some major spoilers right here. FYI for anybody listening who hasn't read everything, but especially for Heroes in Crisis and Batman. Do you guys think that who they're showing at the end of this issue is possibly the actual killer at uh, Sanctuary? Which person at the end? Well, let's just say it. You know, the Gotham Girl? At the end is Gotham Girl and uh, also Gotham uh, hooked up to a Venom machine. I feel like um, that would be too easy, though. My... my for, okay, well, let's play along with uh, Joshua Williamson here, right? Let's just play along with what he's given us right now. So it seems as if he's alluding to perhaps Gotham Girl is killing all these heroes, and she's got Gotham strapped up somewhere feeding them. Is it Venom? Is that what it is? It, it, That's it what it looked, looked like. like it to me because he looks all uh, he looks all Roided venomed out. out, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah all okay. veins popping out, David Finchish. And Which, it sort of makes sense because if you think back to the that last page of Batman 50, when we see everyone that turned out to be in league with Bane, uh, Gotham Girl is there. And it makes sense that the way he had turned her over to his side was by saying, look, I can keep your brother alive. That little two-timey flimsy. Uh, beyond my side. Beyond the curtain at the very back is Bane. But he's using her, obviously, puppeteering her to uh, fuck up at least the Flash Museum and mess with Central City. But Batman said that she's been doing all this, all kinds of shit like that up until now. And Batman's all fucked up, too. Do they explain that? No, he checks in with Alfred Alfredo, and says, hey, you know, run an analysis because, you know, while they're fighting the Amazos, he's looking at Superman and Superman in his point of view, turns into, like, steel, which is right. kind of cool because, you know, the Man of Steel. At right. first, it took me a while to, to catch that, and then I was like, oh, that's one of the dead people from Heroes in Crisis. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's getting tested to see if, you know, if he's okay. Oh, damn, bro. It just hit me like a ton of bricks in the face, bro. All right, you guys ready for this? You guys ready for this bro, this, this, this bro knowledge right now? This Southern California, we just lost the Super Bowl bro knowledge? Yeah, bro. All right, we lost bro. the Check Super Bro. <laughs> bro, we lost the Super Bowl, but I just smoked one earlier before we got on. Ta- all right, so Poison Ivy, uh, dead. How dare Clayman, first of all? How dare Clayman with that cover? Anyways, putting that aside, Poison Ivy dead on that, that cover. male gaze. Of issue nine, I believe, where she's dead, and then she's drawing a little flash symbol. Okay, so let's pretend that Poison Ivy is trying to communicate that Flash is, or Wally, somebody, some Flash, is the one that did something to her, or maybe killed her, right? Like, let's just let's just say let's let's just say okay, yeah, maybe that's what she's trying to do. Why would Flash come to Sanctuary and fuck her up? Uh, why would that be an, a thing? So with this issue, it kind of gives a little bit of an answer to that. So let's say that it's actually not Flash. Why the fuck was Gotham Girl at the Flash Museum? They didn't answer that. They right. just said that she attacked the Flash Museum. What if she stole something to go then to Sanctuary? to kill at least Poison Ivy, if not other people, and frame Flash for it, and like leave something or or appear as if it's Flash to Poison Ivy and maybe to possibly other people, and make it seem as if it was Wally or somebody else that did that shit. And that's why, that's that's maybe what's, uh, what's going on with that Poison Ivy cover, and also why she was at the Flash Museum uh, in this issue. 
and why there's any tie at all to Flash. Because there's obviously a tie to Flash for Joshua Williamson to come and write this issue or several issues. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Hmm. I'm picking up. So, I was just like, just thinking like in my head, like, dude, like, why is like Flash, like, why is he there though, bro? You know? Like, and then I was like, dude, just like, just smoke the peace pipe, just take a puff and think about it. And then I was like, but why are any of us here? <laughs> what if this is Sanctuary and they're reading our comic book? It's just a little bit of a little bit of something that just smacked me in the face right there. Might make total sense right now. Not going to make any sense in the future. But I just like to think that that's maybe where this is going. You're going to listen to the episode in like two months. What the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty much uh, it's pretty much this Batman issue. I'm very intrigued. I, I very do much like uh, seeing Gotham all juiced up. How did he, uh, if we can take it back to that first uh, few arcs of uh, Batman, how did he end up dying? Was it he just like went nuts and they had to put him down? I remember he had that big throwdown with the Justice League. Right. And the crux of, yeah, and the crux of the powers that Gotham and Gotham Girl have, you know, that they willingly purchase uh, with right. their family's wealth was that they get these superpowers, but every time they use them, it slowly kills them. Yeah. And the, um, the greater extent, you know, the more they're exerting these powers, uh, yeah. the, the faster it kills them. So he just and burned bright. Right. Yeah, I, I think he had just burned himself out, if I remember correctly. Shines bright like a diamond. But okay. I should actually, I want to go back and reread that. And, uh, you can't, can't, no. Okay. Nope, okay. can't. Okay. One thing I liked about this issue was when um, Batman and Flash are at the, the museum, and Batman's trying to explain some things, and Bat and Flash is basically like, yeah, I'm tired of you lying to us. We don't. Oh, Yeah. I can't deal with any more of your lies, man. You know, kind of putting Batman yeah. in his place a little bit, which is kind of rare to see Barry do that. Um, I thought so it was—I thought it was pretty funny how uh, Batman immediately drops the ruse and just comes clean too. Yeah, like almost immediately, like Barry's like vibes off, bro. Well, I mean, Joshua even said, so clean, you know, this is. This is going to be a story about, you know, these two detectives doing it in, in a different way from each other. Damn, this issue's getting more genius the more we talk about it. Yeah, it's not just, you know, a fluff piece. It's it's, it's going to be a really cool art. Wow, good shit. I'm going to have to reread this. I'm gonna have to, it makes you want to reread uh, the Gotham stuff, too. I am Gotham. Well, but you're not letting me. I mean, just saying there's, there's the rules, man. Okay. <laughs> it's uh it's also like to me like i don't know if it was just me but now that you see the overall story of how this all interconnects with first fucking issue first arc of tom king stuff and we're how many years away from that has he been running it for like two years or has it been a year what is yeah. it a year it's, it's been a couple of years like do you, the first time tom king was on the show was over two years ago wow so he's been concocting well from before that but he's been putting this Big, long, running, spanning okay, story. You're distracting me by saying cock and then big and long. So you got to change <laughs> your line of thinking here. Dude, you know what? That is so sexist of you to assume that was my intention, bro. Not cool. Not PC. <laughs> so he's been doing this shit for two years. Like, I'll be honest. Like, the first arc of I Am Gotham, what kept me really was uh, David Finch's art. Like, love the fact that David Finch was on it. Um, I was on I was on board. I was reading it. Thought it was cr a fucking crazy out there story, but I wasn't sure. Like man, I remember thinking like, where the fuck is this going? Like this is so crazy and weird. Now that it's you see the puzzle piece that it is for the whole kind of 
the whole pe- the whole puzzle. It's like, wow, this shit is fucking crazy. How this guy had this whole plan since the beginning, and it's like so you're still finding out little pieces, and it's still like make it makes more sense now. You know, it's it's fucking awesome. Makes you want to reread it. Okay, Robin, you can go reread it if you want. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if also- you, uh, looking cl- if you look close at that last page where. Uh- Henry is hooked up to the uh, to all those tubes. It, it definitely uh, looks like venom because it's it's green fluid pumping out of these tanks, and you can see all of his veins are green and puffed up. So so I, I definitely that, like, get the impression that's venom. He wasn't he wasn't all the way dead, and so uh, Bane, like you said, probably made a deal with Gotham Girl. Like she felt really guilty. Blah blah blah. Like I can bring him back for you. You just gotta betray Batman. And well, awesome. she says some things also that it almost seems like she's trying to find some redemption for to her brother. Like she's now getting to be the hero. Yeah. It's, uh, so yeah, it's yeah. like it's almost like maybe she feels some guilt for what he did Got or it. what happened and, to him. And she's also still twisted in the head after all the psycho pirate stuff. Right. Yeah, you see in the end there when she's having that interaction with Henry, uh, she's very upbeat mm, yeah so she's still fucked up i would i would uh if you're i mean there's there's probably people who just jump on really late and like maybe they jumped on heroes in crisis they haven't been reading batman but i would say go back and read batman from the beginning of tom king's run because it gives you a, a much broader sense of everything that these uh these guys are doing right now and it makes it all the more worthwhile and it gives you more of an appreciation like what is i'm even forgetting why everyone was mad about heroes in crisis is this just because wally's dead apparently while he's dead, um, he's not respecting uh, mental health. He's exploiting. He's exploiting mental health. But shut the fuck up. This stuff's good. This is good Jeez. shit. And uh, that—that's what gets me. A lot of the people that uh, haven't taken too kindly to some of the deaths that we've seen, they use that as a reason to just claim that the story is bad. And it's. It's not even a well-told story. It's not good. I would I would excuse it if this was actually a good story, but it is trash. Okay, you're just letting your emotions over a character you like being killed dictate your words about it. Huh. Dick Grayson, get it. I got it. Wow, there's a clue for the killer right there. Uh-huh. Actually, what if it was Rick? Is it Rick or Rich? Rich? Uh-huh. What if it was Rich, know. bro? I- I- I, I, I stopped uh, paying attention to Nightwing when his name changed. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it, it turned me off of the book. I'll, uh, I'll dip my toes back in when he's, uh, back, to, he's back to normal. I'm not going to lie. Um, I didn't hate some of those issues. I, and more because, you know, I'm the kind of guy that really loves outrage. So whenever somebody's, like, really fucking mad and up in arms about something, instead of, like, jumping onto the bandwagon or joining the fucking mob with the pitchforks and the, and the torches, I want to see why. And so I read uh, a couple of the issues where was it James Robinson that wrote a few of those issues? I fucking love James Robinson. Um, he's done some awesome shit. He did some Earth Earth Two shit. I mean, he's been writing for forever. Wrote some uh, the more recent Wonder or yeah Wonder Woman stuff. Um, but he also wrote some of um, those issues, and I read it. And he wrote like it's like pretend that Dick Grayson's um, Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver, and like he doesn't remember, he can't sleep, so he just becomes a taxi driver in the middle of the night in New York. Just seeing a bunch of fucked up stuff happen, so that's why I loved it. Anyhow, uh, getting off topic, that'd be that'd be nuts if uh, it was Dick Gray or Rick Grayson that was the one killing people. I don't think it is, but just something to throw out there. Yeah, so Heroes in Crisis, uh, so it's a Heroes in Crisis, Batman and Flash kind of crossover. Really good stuff. Go read it. Good shit. What's next? I think we need to 
talk about the next big book that's out this week is uh, the Marv Wolfman Man and Superman Spectacular Number One, the 100-page. Let's talk uh, about it, Gramps. Well, um, if any of our listeners remember, Marv Wolfman was on our podcast a couple of weeks ago and talking about his excitement for this book. And it was originally a four-part book that he wrote for, what was it, Superman Confidential or something like that? It never, that title got uh, come to ended. Fruition. Right. So this book, this story never came out. With the popularity of like the 100-page issues that are coming out in like Walmart and stuff like that, um, I guess they decided, hey, let's put this out. But instead of putting it out for the, the Walmart stores, we'll actually put this out in the retail comic stores. First off, it just looks amazing. You guys know me. I don't really read much Superman. He's not my favorite character. But hearing Marv talk about it, I, I really wanted to see what it was that he was so excited about. It, it is kind of a coming-of-age story for Superman. And the whole time I was reading it, I was thinking, man, how is Frank Miller going to top this with his year <laughs> one story? Because this one's really cool. Because, you know, through most of the book, he's not actually Superman. He's still mm. kind of finding out who he is and why is he in Metropolis. And then it includes him meeting Lois Lane and, and trying to find, you know, how he fits into his new environment in Metropolis because he still has these small town roots and he misses his parents back home and misses that small town life. But here he is here. And he's having to deal with these threats that are coming from Lex Luthor and, and other things. How he comes to grips with that and how he becomes Superman. I mean, that's kind of the title kind of gives it away. It's like man and Superman. He's two people and he's trying to figure out, you know, what he is. A lot like, uh, well, not a lot like, but kind of like that Man of Steel movie where he's got to figure out how to be Superman. You mean the greatest Superman movie? Yeah, I said it. Right. I think it's a definite, you know, must read Go pick it up you tomorrow. You yeah, said that, and, you... Uh, and Marv thinks that this is. Did he say it was his best, his best writing ever, or just his best Superman writing? I can't remember. Uh, I think he said it was the best thing he's ever done. Damn. Uh, and and if... I know he's super excited about it because it's it's just coming out now in February. And I did a panel with him back in September, and he was already talking about it that it was finally being released back in September. So he's been itching for this one for a long time. So that should tell you uh, how much he believes in this one. Yeah. And the thing I liked about it more so with the art was it had a real classic look to it. What else do you read Gramps? I know this is probably going to surprise you guys. Um, Harley Quinn 58. Damn. You're on that birds of prey hype. I see. Well, I mean, Obviously, what interested me was the front cover seeing Batman in Harley Quinn. And I was like, oh, that's right. What is going on here? Well, it's like, a, isn't it a, like a looks like a Dark Knight Returns uh, Batman Carrie Kelly homage? Am I wrong? Kind of. Yeah, sort a of. Bit. The way and, you're jumping in there. Right. There's even more. So I knew that, that would get you. Yeah. There's even more of that in the book. There's a nice big splash page, and I was just like, man, they're really going there. Okay. Yeah. Who's the uh, artist on that? Is it still written by, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Sam Humphreys. Is he still writing that? It's it's a Harley Quinn solo book, right? Yeah. Yes. I do believe Sam Humphreys has been the ongoing uh, writer for that. I think this is Somebody Meredith. else? Meredith no, yeah, this is Clatterbuck. This is, uh, 
this Sam Humphreys is uh is writing it here. I just pulled okay. it. I have the no, uh, Humphreys and variant. I was reading um some of the earlier issues to his run, and what I did appreciate was uh, he put the Furies in it, and Harley was one of the Furies for a while. That was kind of cool. Very soon after uh, the Connor Palmiotti stuff uh, ended. Yeah, like right when he picked up. Yeah, I think it was like the first couple, maybe the first arc was where she was a Fury. Um, but Gramps, what do you think about this one? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is what it is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you like the art? You can appreciate the art? Well, yeah, I can appreciate the art. The art is actually really good. This artist does Batman really cool. Mm. Um, does a really cool Batcave and stuff like that. You know, obviously, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't been reading much Harley Quinn, but this was kind of a cool story to see, you know, Batman in it and more so like a really kind of a dark night type of Batman. And it's redemption story for Harley Quinn. She's trying to prove her worth that she's not all psycho, you know, anymore, even though she is crazy, but she's not like a killer anymore and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, Harley Quinn fans will probably really like it. Mm. All right. She and she is back in Gotham, so there you go. Uh very good, well balanced. Um I like the fact that you said Harley fans would like it. I like how you talked about the art. I appreciated how you mentioned Batman. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what else do you got, Gramps? Justice League 17 by our friend Scott Ooh. Snyder. And uh, you said that this feels like a good jumping on point, as well as uh, our best friend writer Scott Snyder said that on Twitter as well. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, it's a story about Lex Luthor and Martian Manhunter, mm. and uh, Mars, uh, and basically uh, Lex putting a gun to to Martian Manhunter's head. Then we see Lex is trying to abduct Manhunter and bring him back to the Hall of Doom because he has plans for them to to use him uh, with Brainiac to use his knowledge. But the, the whole issue plays out with the two of them on Mars, and uh, it's a really cool interaction between them, and it feels like a bigger, longer story than it is. Something about the way that it's written and uh, the way the story's told it, it feels, uh, it feels like a Lex Luthor, Martian Manhunter movie. Right. It's actually kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, it kind of puts, gives you a little more insight into Lex Luthor than maybe before. And sort of gives, uh, it writes some new history for both characters. I was going to say a glimpse, but it's more than a glimpse. We get a a fairly long look at both of them uh, when they were young. Uh, What Snyder shows us in this issue is this past where Lex was living in this laboratory that his father was running where they had uh, Martian Manhunter locked in this tank when, when he was just a child, you know, he was a, just a young Martian and they were using him for, uh, for their experiments. And we see that the two of them had a friendship uh, while they were children. Hmm. It makes you wonder is Lex Luthor, you know, the product of his environment, or did he create his own fate? That's what I got from it. Nature versus nurture, yeah. 
Right. Good shit. Yeah, it was, uh, I saw that, um, well, I mean, to give it a little bit of a background, the, what I really like about the Justice, like what the first kind of issues introduced was a team that's led by Martian Manhunter and kind of Batman and the team like giving up the leadership role to him um, and kind of putting an emphasis on him as the story rather than like what I liked about it was like Snyder's done Batman, but Batman feels more of like a supportive role in the whole the whole series. You know, he's there. He's given some guidance, but he's always fucked up. Like I forgot what issue, but like the first couple of. Uh, maybe like the first or second arc, he gets fucking like like crunched, like crushed, you know, like his whole oh, yeah, body. When, uh, when he had shrunken down and was as dirty as the sounds, he was inside Superman. Man, I love that. <laughs> More of that, please, Scott Snyder. And uh, but, yeah, he came out uh, being just mangled, and then he yeah. was that he was in that suit for a while. Uh, actually, a couple different suits that were yeah. mending his body. Right. So he's like kind of like unable to do everything that he's normally physically able to do as Batman. So he's kind of just like a attack, you know, he's like a tactical mastermind now, but that leaves everybody else having to kind of pick up the slack in the sense. And, um, Martian Manhunter is like pretty much like a very like important member of this whole, this whole run. It feels like Snyder, like it's crazy because people, I, I've seen people talk, Oh, Scott Snyder is my favorite writer. Oh, like, I love his Batman, this and that. And it's like, dude, he's writing a completely different style now with this team book. And I'm almost like, fuck, is this, like, almost better than some of the stuff he's done with Batman? Like, maybe because it's not the same thing, you can't really compare it. But this is definitely some of the best shit he's written at DC. Like, not even exaggerating. Some of the stuff in this Justice League shit is fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, I think one of Scott's strengths is writing big things like you know uh, things like uh, the court of owls where he's creating this big society that's going on within gotham you know, he he really uh, it's his style sort of to do these these big stories that have a lot going on and a, a lot of characters involved so getting on a team book gives him uh, really an opportunity to expand even more in doing that yeah i i think what people maybe didn't like about the, some of the stuff he was doing with like either metal or Batman was all, oh, this is too big. Like they want to, they want a, a small, you know, ground level gritty Batman story, but now he's doing whatever the fuck he wants because it's in space. It's in other dimensions. It's in other parts of the universe. Like it's fucking right up his alley. And I've, I've seen a lot of people say like, Oh man, this is like your, this is your Grant Morrison justice league. Like that's yeah. what they're comparing him to, which is, mm. I can't say they're wrong. You know, that's the, that's the one that's the one guy I think of when I see the way he's writing this stuff. So mm. good and shit. Everything that's happening in this issue is tying right back to no justice. Uh, that's right. We see like, Lex is still on that same path, but by the end of this issue, uh, everything that we see him go through with Martian Manhunter and everything that uh, Martian Manhunter taught him about himself because Lex didn't uh, didn't remember any of this stuff from their childhood. Right. Uh, so by the end of the issue, it looks like Lex is really uh, questioning his motives and uh, the, the path that he's been following. To the extent that, like, early in the issue, uh, Manhunter is explaining to Lex that you know this this place that he had, you know, that he was standing there pointing a gun to his head, was this sacred place, you know, in the past for the Martians. Uh, where no one else had ever been before besides Martians. 
and it was this place where they got rid of uh, because they were they were so telepathically linked. Uh, they they had this special place where they went to get rid of all of the the bad feelings, you know, thing, things that they were emotionally scarred by. There were these monsters there that fed off of feelings like that. So they would cast out these these bad emotions and they would be devoured by these monsters there. And when uh, he's describing to Lex how like they had this ritual that they did while doing it, they had a word that they chanted while they were you know, casting out the, these memories. And by the end of the issue, we see Lex holding, uh, I think it's the, the cosmic doorknob uh, from No Justice. He's holding that, and he just kind of looks at it and repeats that word that they used when they were casting out these emotions. Mm. So it, it really looks like a turning point for Lex, and I don't know. It, I kind of get the feeling that now that Brainiac is in the picture with the Legion of Doom, we could see him carrying forward with the path of the the Legion of Doom, and maybe Lex turning away from that very interesting you enjoyed it gramps yeah it was good i read green arrow 49 damn gramps going hard and this one is another um heroes in crisis tie-in green arrow and black canary are facing off um against count vertigo who is og green arrow bad guy yeah who uh count vertigo he's you know he's he's looking for roy harper and he doesn't know that Harper is one of the casualties of Sanctuary. What's wrong with you? I say you, he did. <laughs> They're trying to stop Vertigo. Ultimately, he comes to a climatic point, and he's just like, you know, where is he? And he's just like, he died. And, <laughs> you know, that really, you know, stops Vertigo from, you know, what he's doing. He's just like, you know, he can't believe it. He's like, what? You know, I... I'm sorry, I, I didn't read like uh, the previous issue of Arrow. I don't know if he was like looking for Harper to, you know, fight or whatever. But, um, you know, realizing money. that, yeah, okay, realizing that, you know, this kid's dead. He's just like, oh shit, wow. Right. Yeah, even in, even in uh, even in the face of uh, being uh, enemies, he respects the uh, the the passing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like it when they do that. They kind of, even uh, adversaries kind of show respect, you know. Something that came out this week that I haven't gotten a chance to read yet, but I'm kind of excited for it that I saw it pop up and I'm like, damn, I really want to read that. It was Female Furies number one, by um, written by Cecil Castellucci, uh, with Adriana Mello doing the art. And um, I'm a big sucker for anything fourth world and uh, Big Barda's in this. The Furies are in this. Granny Goodness is in this. Um, you look through the art and it looks like just some old school Jack Kirby inspired goodness with the colors and everything. Um, nice little shot of Granny Goodness cackling with her head thrown back. All good stuff. So I'm, I'm pumped to read that. It's I think a six. Is it a six or twelve issue? Let me see. Six issue miniseries. So uh, coming off the heels of the success of um, the Tom King, uh, Mr. Miracle stuff with Mitch Jarrett's doing the uh, the art 
Um, this is probably something that they wanted to toss out there to see if people chomp at it. Please do. Please and, chomp and at with, it. And with the movie coming up. Oh, that's right. With the movie in production, right? Yeah. The fourth world movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be sweet. Which um, I'm not sure. It's like, I don't even know if it's rumored, but Tom King and Mitch have both kind of been retweeting uh, mentions of that movie. And Tom King has been talking about how he's been working on a secret Hollywood project. And he's not able to talk about it, but he's hoping that it comes to fruition. So who knows if he's going to get like a writing or pr- producing credit on that movie. And maybe they might use like Big Barda and Mr. Miracle as um, some of the, you know, bigger names of, of that film. And yeah, there, a- there are rumors that uh, this was going to heavily focus on uh, Scott and Barda. Cool. Yeah, I'm down for that. Um, I would love to see Orion in there as well, because... You know, with with uh, Scott Free's story, you also got uh, the mirrored story of uh, Orion, um, which is badass. Um, I just I love I love those characters. I love the story. Super like almost like biblical. Like, you know, it's it's this like this story of these these kids separated and ra- raised as like wards of each other's enemy. And it's crazy shit, man. It's going to be yeah. good stuff. I hope they really kind of cosmic foreign exchange students <laughs> <laughs> right and orion's a fucking dick who can't be trusted yeah, yeah he's you a know, piece of and, shit right and then uh scott free raised in the trenches of uh apocalypse but he's a good guy deep down with uh, some heavy ptsd but um and big barda is just a amazonian well she's not really from Am- an amazon she's a fury but she's a monstrous tall woman built like a tree that you just want to climb um, <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the uh, the Tom King Mitch Garrods uh, run when they're at the hospital. Spoiler alert: if you haven't read the series, uh, you know it's a big part of the story. So probably know it even if you haven't read the story yet. Uh, they have a a baby in the story, and when they arrive at the hospital, when it's time for the baby to be born, uh, Scott is checking her in. Is it? I might be. Actually, there's another part. At some point where he's checking her into the hospital, he's like at the counter giving her information. And he's telling the guy, first name Big, last name Barda. (laughs) (laughs) I I just think that's comical. Good shit. Deathstroke number 40 came out. Oh, Adventures of Super Sons number seven. Also a great series that's been going on. Um, Peter Tomasi uh, writing that bad boy. Some good books. I think we pretty much covered most of it, right? Most of what we wanted to, and uh, wh- yeah, as whatever much as we... we can, because you know, yeah. realistically, we can't cover everything that comes out because we just fucking talk too much about every issue. Yeah, and if there's anything that we're not covering that you guys really love, like if there's any book that you feel like we're just not giving enough attention to, hit us up on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, you know, just let us know that there's a something that we're missing, or you really want to talk about it, mm. and uh, yeah, just let us know, and we'll, we'll cover it as much as we can. Uh, we're also now on Spotify as well as SoundCloud and iTunes, so hopefully everyone at this point is able to kind of find a place to listen to us. Um, we basically see that it's getting more traffic every week, so the number of people that listen are growing. Also, it's really funny how. We post like four or five interviews in a row, and then we're getting massive DMs and uh, mentions on Twitter asking when we're going to go over the books again, which is fucking funny. Yeah, which, yeah we, haven't, we, uh, we haven't done a stack episode since December because yeah. uh, January was fucking wacky. Uh, right. 
Doug Mankey, Alex Sinclair, Marv Wolfman, Joshua Williamson, and Jim Ballant, all within the month and of the January. And the trunkler. So like, and the motherfucking yeah. trunkler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but 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 when are you gonna get to the books? Quick side uh, and, note. And when are we gonna get Legends of Lego Batman? Oh, oh so shit! Where the fuck is Legends of Lego Batman? Quick, hey, I didn't even realize this, but um. Batman Eternal Omnibus was announced. I didn't even realize it. It's on DC's website and everything. So I got all the issues. I'm pretty fucking pumped for that. That's a nice collection to collect. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of Batman and Robin Eternal, but Batman Eternal was. I thought it was excellent. So I'm excited. Yeah, it about changed that. changed a little bit of the landscape of uh, of the was, DC universe at the time. It was a weekly, so it was uh, a yeah, and that was like 52 issues. So that was pretty. Crazy. I remember. Jason Fabric had a couple of issues on the first jump off yeah, of that, right? Yeah, the first issue was with Professor Pig. The shoes he set oh, it up shit. really well, and Hush is in it, and it's um, it's an it's an excellent story. It's really good. Uh, Batman Eternal. So I'm glad it's getting an omnibus. So that's pretty cool. cool. Uh, another news, uh, media news. Um, for anyone not watching, Deadly Class is now on Sci-Fi. If that's excellent, if you haven't read the the comics. Uh, that Remenda puts out with Deadly Class, which are excellent too, and that's on Sci-Fi and and Happy Season Two is premiering as well very soon on Sci-Fi. So mm. pretty happy about that. Um, by Grant Morris. Just uh, uh, story. for anybody listening, uh, if you guys haven't caught up on the Punisher or that series Happy, you might want to do that before uh, we drop another yeah. interview. Just uh, just a hint. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Very, very cryptic you are, sir. Yeah, we're we're right. past the point of jinxing shit. We just <laughs> we're just too. <laughs> so we got too many. Uh, too many uh, fingers and too many pies, or whatever the fuck. Uh, <laughs> you know what hey, I mean? man, that's that's you, the least you of what you put in your pies. pies. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I do a little bit more. I go, I go, I go to third base with my pies. <laughs> yeah, was Once on. you get to know them, yeah. yeah. Oh, with, with no limits, baby. <laughs> All right, All right, there's your fucking stack. Thank right. All right, yeah, animals. Right with us. Yo, listen, guys. Um, I know I promised in the past, but we're gonna read all the reviews you guys wrote we really appreciate it and for anyone who hasn't yet could you please write us a review on itunes and we really appreciate it. we really get the show a little more exposure that way uh, you know like when you read and review it on itunes so if you could do that if you enjoy the show and do that we'd really appreciate that and we are going to read those out on the show quite soon and so. uh one other thing we talked about guests we have on uh, sometimes we get messages from people uh suggesting guests that they want to hear on the show mm. and it, that's that's awesome messaging us the other thing that really helps is if you tweet at them or you know get at yeah. them on instagram or their facebook page or whatever because sometimes it can help uh if they hear it from you guys so they don't think that i'm just lying when i tell them that people have been asking for them yeah. to be on the show yeah. so you know, get at these guys if you want to hear them or girls so get at them if you want to hear them on the show and let them know that I'm not bullshitting when I tell them that people want them on the show. All right, Robin, where what's the question of the week? Where the fuck is Legends of Lego Batman? <laughs> hey, Gotham Dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Batforce Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs. Yeah. <laughs>